Welcome to the Business of Nonprofits podcast, where we enable candid discussions of nonprofit business transformation. I'm your host, Stacey Lund. Let's get started. Brought to you by TGR Management Consulting. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the Business of Nonprofits. In today's season one wrap up, we're speaking with the founder and CEO of our sponsor, TGR Management Consulting, Tiffany Rosick. Tiffany is a charismatic and passionate speaker on the topics of leadership and program management. She also sits on the boards of directors for several nonprofits and for-profit organizations as well. She doesn't just walk the walk or talk the talk. She represents excellence and expertise with her clients every day. And I'm not just saying that because she's my boss. Tiffany, welcome. Oh, thank you, Stacy, for having me. And uh, thanks for that great introduction. I'm really happy to be here and uh, being able to recap our first season. Tiffany and I are both passionate about every guest that we had this season. So before that, you haven't really met our listeners and they haven't met you. So why don't you take a minute and tell them why you had this idea to sponsor this podcast? Well, if I'm being honest, this was not my idea. This goes back to you and Sam pitching this opportunity. And it goes back to really our core values. So at TGR, we believe in giving back. And everybody on the team has some passion project outside of work that they're involved in, whether it's volunteering or serving on a board or organizing community efforts, like they're involved in some way, but everybody has a genuine interest in giving back to the community in which they live in and benefit from every day. So it fits with our core values. We also walk the line between profit and nonprofit organizations. We have a number of clients in both worlds, and there is just so much overlap between the two that when you and Sam came to me with this idea, I'm like, it really was a no-brainer. It's like, why not? Why would we not have fun in this way? And being able to share the work that we do and the work that some really exciting nonprofits do with a larger community. And it really is as much fun as you alluded to. And it's been interesting because really where we started was were your staff meetings where, you know, we would all be sort of kvetching about who's going to what meetings and whatever business problems, non-business problems, nonprofit problems. And, and then it was, you know, suddenly someone would pipe up and say, well, what about this? You know, have you applied change management principles or have you done whatever this Six Sigma thing and was sort of this combination of both approaches where we were like, there's something here. If we could just highlight this and what organizations are doing in the nonprofit world and sort of cross that line, show people that they're the same and maybe give them some takeaways, we'll end up in a good place. So we worked with some crazy, awesome organizations this season. It was awesome. Like this was such a great season and so many different verticals and different sizes. I want to echo how awesome the organizations were that came on the show this season. Not only did they take a chance with a fledgling season one podcast, but they were very vulnerable in sharing the good, the bad, and sometimes the ugly of what they experienced. So truly, truly fantastic groups to be the first in our podcast efforts. And I'm so thankful and appreciate every single one of them for saying yes. And they were super excited to say yes. We barely got the pitch out to them and say, hey, do you want to do that? Like, yes, let's do it. Did you 
in particular, when you were listening, sense any common themes or things that popped out at you? I would love to walk through each episode with you and let's just bounce off what resonated. I'm actually going to work my way backwards through all the episodes for no particular reason, but I'm just going to work my way backwards in them. So our final episode of season one is with STEP, so support the enlisted. So there are a couple of things that really, really stood out to me in that podcast. First of all, he addressed the women work problem that he had encountered in the pandemic. And we've not heard that from any of the other nonprofits. It probably was similar for them too. But, you know, we heard a lot during the pandemic about the loss of the women in the workforce and This, though, Step was the first podcast that kind of sort of brought that to the table. And I love that. And here we are in March and, you know, we're celebrating International Women's Day and the value of women in the workplace. And he's talking about how critical that role was, that group of women that he lost was to his organization's success and to his brand. And I loved that. The other thing that really, really stood out for me was culture. And he talked a lot about brand liabilities. And I align with that so much. We're a small organization. All of these nonprofits are small organizations. And and when you put your brand out there, you want it to be well represented. And, And I think we don't always put a priority on that brand and that impact that your brand has. And so I love that that was top of mind for him all the time. Yeah, he could lay that out better than anyone I've talked to, you know, without a huge marketing department. Like he just knew who they were and it was Chris and that was his brand, his value proposition. It was so sharp for him. When I say when you walk in, you feel it. Every person who talks to you walks that brand. And I was in awe the entire time that I was there. So it definitely is a different feel when you're walking around the facility and there's all sorts of like American flag stuff hanging up and all sorts of enlisted army and Navy and Marine memorabilia. It was the coolest thing. But having not been in the military myself, I left really impressed. So what about Produce Good? So a couple of things. One was the statistics she was sharing with us about food waste, about the amount of food that they're able to collect. Tonnage. Like she was giving us quotes in tonnage. Kind of made, made me pause. And I really appreciated that because I don't think as Americans, we often stop to think about food waste and consumption and and those aspects. So I really took pause for that. But the other thing that I took away from her was her comment around, it's okay to be small and to have more of a a small operation and execution. That pre-pandemic, they were thinking very, very big, and they wanted to partner and have big logistics and make this more of a larger scale movement. But through the pandemic, they had their own aha process, their aha moment around, you know what, we're going to do this locally, it's going to be small, and we're going to use lots of local people to transport and pick, and that's going to make us just as successful as the go big idea. And so I, I really latched onto that part of the conversation with Produce Good. Yeah, we heard that much earlier, I know you'll get to it, but 92130CARES had the same sort of approach where keep it small, keep it local, do it well. And then what can come from it are these ripple effects sort of after the fact, as opposed to make it big, get crazy and expand. So I thought that was interesting, too. What do you think of San Diego Youth Symphony, Michael Remsen? He's so interesting. Very interesting. I really loved the precision and thoughtfulness with their approach to how they were going to rebrand. It was methodical, which you typically associate it with being slow, 
but it was executed so well that it really didn't matter how fast it took them to get there. That speed, or there was really no urgency around it. They're a longstanding brand. They really needed to be precise in how they went about rebranding themselves. And I loved that. I think we lose so much of this urgency, hurry, 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 that we lose the exactness and the execution that we need to be successful. It's so clear from listening to him that he wanted to do it and do it right and have a legacy for the next 75 years. I could have listened to him all day. He was just such an interesting person to talk to. And his brand is so pervasive in San Diego. And even after, as I've been talking to other people, they've been like, that San Diego Youth Symphony? Yes, that one. The only one. (laughs) The only one. (laughs) Okay, so talk to me about lasagna. That was my favorite episode. It made me so hungry. (laughs) So lasagna love... Super impressed. So I think this resonated with me the best because I'm in the tech space and I can appreciate how hard it is to put in systems from the ground up that get you to scale. Recognizing that she wasn't going to be able to manage the spreadsheet anymore, (laughs) that she needed help. That, of course, I have plenty of things in my business that I'm doing that I just recently have had to say, you know what, time out. I can't do this anymore. I need help. And as a leader, being able to sort of raise your hand and say, I need help here. And she continually had people that were asking how they could help her. And she had to just say, look, here's my list of help. Great. You know, you can do this. Wonderful. You do this. And she was able to scale because she had other people that wanted to find ways to use their everyday skills. And so I think some gentlemen stepped up and did a lot of the programming and coding behind the scenes for her, which was that scaffold to scale nationally that she needed. Uh, before she was able to get some bigger partners on. Like, I love that. That's using some of your network and being able to be humble enough to ask for help at its finest. And I've been in that organization, you know, for two years now. So I can tell you that the other thing that impresses me, you know how they always say, begin with the end in mind. They are a process-oriented organization. But the other thing I love is that she did not and has not put a cap on, you have to help me, but you have to do it my way. There have been a few things, particularly the app first started and then some outreach efforts. There's not a framework. Build your own. I ask for the help. You say yes, and I let you do it whatever way works for you, as long as the outcome is beneficial, is what I want. And that's been super impressive for me because usually, you know, as an operations person, it's like every step has to be done with my checkboxes, and she is not that way. And and that was super impressive for me. Talk to me about Promises to Kids, another tech implementation. Yeah, so this one is close to my heart because I, I do sit on the board for this organization. So I have a little bit of insider knowledge around, around how the organization operates. And so they are usually top of mind for me when I think about nonprofits. And what stood out here, first of all, Stephanie, been with the organization a long time, unbelievable, truly an unbelievable woman, unbelievable at her job. The way in which she admits, hey, I'm not a tech person at all, but I knew we needed to do something because we needed to be able to grow our programs and grow good work that we do with the youth. And so I needed a solution to do that. I also thought that their approach to trailblazers, getting out in front of people, getting them into the, they called it the sandbox, but getting them into the sandbox to try to figure out who really was going to be their trailblazer and who were they going to have to kind of come up alongside and behind and put their arm around and kind of walk them through the door together. I I can appreciate that. We see that a lot across all of our clients where we've got the early adopters who are super gung-ho and charge ahead. 
sometimes faster than we want them to. And then you've got the folks that you're really just, you know, you just, can I just bring the wagon? I'm going to put you in the wagon. We're going to give you juice boxes <laughs> and we're going to pull it over the finish line. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say producer Sam is laughing because Sam knows she was the early adopter on this, right? Everything was like, I have this idea, but there's all these roadblocks. She's like, no, 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 look. Literally, I think she had to hold my hand the first few times. No, no, no. Do this. Press this button next. It's okay. So I I totally get uh, where Promises to Kids was coming from on that. I thought their approach was really unique in that. And maybe it's from working with youth in a big client or a client that is for profit, right? You get all these different age mixes and sort of tech comfort uh, levels. And Promises to Kids really just took the approach of we are a coaching mentoring organization. We're going to do that internally, even with our internal systems. You know, Stephanie will say she's not a tech person, but she certainly knew how to grow confidence in any arena. And that was huge. Absolutely huge. Um, talk to me about Athena because Athena is another org pretty close to your heart. Absolutely. So Athena is a professional women's organization that I participate in regularly. Whenever I participate in any of their events, they are all so energizing and empowering. And Holly, even in her podcast, came across super energetic and empowering. And when you get down listening to that episode, and you're like, yes, let's climb to the top of the mountain. We're going to do it together. I really love the big dream that she goes after that episode. She talks a little bit about what Athena's big dream is. And I can identify with that. And I can appreciate it. And if there's anybody that I want climbing up the mountain with me, it's Holly. Absolutely. Nothing is going to get in your way with her on your team. Talk a little bit about 92130CARES. So background on this, Tiffany actually came to us, to Sam and I, with this organization. We had not heard of it. And it's sort of in our backyard. They're not actually where we both live, but it's close. You know, she came to us and said, I know this organization. What do you think about interviewing them? And And that was such a great episode for me because it shows if you follow your heart in a lot of ways as a nonprofit, it never really leads you wrong. And she did have the same themes of asking for help and scaling small with excellence, all of those things. But talk to me about what resonated for you on that. First of all, Cheryl is an amazing person. And I really don't know how she does it. She is a mom of three. She's a hockey mom. That's actually how Cheryl and I know each other is our sons played ice hockey together. And then she's a lawyer who in her copious free time does this charity organization right out of her garage, quite literally out of her garage, right? And she's somehow employed everybody she knows in her network to help her. And that's the piece that resonated with me is we talk about the web of people, like how we all intersect in a little bit of Mr. Rogers, all the people that that are in our neighborhood. And she has managed to employ all of them in her passion, following her heart to do some really heavy lifting at times. There's things that she's posted where, where she's got her kids washing eggs and putting them in different egg containers to be split up amongst the folks that are going to come through the line. Or her husband is carrying boxes of coats because they've decided that, you know, winter coats is really a gap that they have in their communities. So I find that just so fascinating that she's been able to do that. But at the same time, a little bit in awe of her and what she's brought to the table just in her zip code. Yeah, I don't know that I've even told you this. I was cooking dinner at Ronald McDonald House, long story. Uh, and I ended up cooking dinner with someone who volunteers for 92130 CARES. And she had this crazy story for me about they had gotten a block of palm oil 
which is solid at room temperature. And it was a 40 pound block from Whole Foods. And their dream was to split it up into smaller chunks so that they could give it out of the farmer's market. So she had to pick a cool day. She was explaining this whole process of slicing this palm block outside, trying to keep the flies away and in her garage and need to be cool and temperature controlled. And I just stood there like, I do a lot of volunteering, but I volunteer for lots of organizations that kind of like meet me in my zone. This was so far outside of her comfort level. And yet she was still doing it. And I thought, how awesome is Cheryl that she can inspire people to literally be like, oh, sure, palm oil, throw in the back of the car. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) I truly, something about leadership with her and the way she inspires people to give back, it's there for me. Talk to me about Clarity, because they're also a little bit of a tech and a change management, more traditional business. You took the words right out of my mouth. Change management. That is exactly what stood out for me. They're working with women and families that are going through probably the biggest change that they've ever gone through. You know, they're dealing with all the effects of somebody having ovarian cancer. And in the midst of their technology transition, she's talking about how they have done change management and how they did it right out of the gate. And I wish more organizations would listen to that message for-profit, non-profit, doesn't matter. Like I need every organization to hear the one statement where Rachel is telling us about how they did change management from the beginning. Yes, I loved that from her. Same thing with the promises to kids where Stephanie talks about planning early. Yes. Right, start early, earlier than you think you need to. Yeah, Clarity and Promises to Kids both talked about prep work. Yes. Which I think is another key. You know, we, we do a lot of tech implementations and we do a lot of rescue efforts. You know, change management's always on the list of reasons why things didn't go well. Underestimating the prep work, whether it's pre-planning or the action of planning, that's another reason why things go sideways a lot sooner than anybody wants them to. Okay. So if you take all of that and you throw it in a salad spinner and you spin it up, What are the takeaways that you think a business or a nonprofit listening to this, what are some things you think they could put into practice right away? What are the takeaways? Yeah, so building a business is absolutely a labor of love. And I think there are probably, I'd say four things that regardless of what kind of business you are, that you can learn from listening to these eight folks talking about their businesses. Uh, The first thing is slow down so that you can be precise and exact in what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Because running through, uh, you know, I have a friend who calls it the duck paddle, right? There's a whole bunch of ducks in the pond and they're paddling, 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 but they're just going in circles or nowhere at all. So slow down, be precise and exact in whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Uh, The second one is ask for help. You may not even know what help it is that you need, but if you don't at least say, okay, what I'm trying to do I don't even know step one for what I'm trying to do. I'm going to need some help. You're not likely to get to where you want to go very fast. True. The third one is it's okay to be small, niche, boutique. I often talk about our organization in terms of a boutique-y, you know, tech strategy consulting shop. And I think that works. I think that resonates with folks that you, you start to know who you are, you know what you're doing, you know roughly how you want to grow. And it's okay to be small. You don't need to empire build all the time in every lane that you're in. And the last one is have a big, crazy dream. You can be small in it. You can be niche in this big, big, crazy dream. 
but have one out there, write it on a card, stick it on the desktop or on your monitor, write it on your back of your hand, whatever you need to do to kind of keep that big, crazy dream in focus while you're going about the other asks of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think everything else we heard, knowing who you are, in order to do a good brand, you have to know who you are. All the stuff, discussion about data that Rhiannon from Lasagna Love and Holly at Athena talked about, all of that comes sort of after those four things. You sort of know the size you want to be, know who you are, and you put these other things in place and then the rest comes, right? You know what your dream is and then you lay a trajectory. So I guess we'll wrap with this. After listening to last season, what's TGR going to do differently? What are you going to apply? Oh, I've got a couple of those, a couple of those takeaways. So asking for help. 2023, we're scaling our business uh, in a way in which we've never done before. And it requires more hands on deck, more help. So I've got a couple asks for help out there that we're working our way through. I, I've gotten comfortable with being small and boutique. So we've already, we've already moved on to that one. I, and I think the last one that I, that I need to work my way through here is being precise. As much as I love taking imperfect action, and I think there's times and places to take that imperfect action, I go back to what Grandma Millie always would tell me, which is anything worth doing is worth doing right the first time. So slow it down, be precise and exact so that you can you can get to success. And, and that's something that I need to work through my way through every day, every week in 2023. Absolutely. Anything you want to add? I do want to say thank you to you guys for taking this on. I mean, this was in our own way, a little bit of a moonshot. And I really appreciate the work that you both did to get us here. I mean, when we first started, there were a lot of unknowns and you went out and you figured it out. And that that's another one of those core values of TGR is that we just find a way to get the good work done. And I really appreciate both of you guys and taking that on and leading that. Uh, it was certainly nothing I had to worry about. Uh, I knew it was going to go well right from the get-go. Tiffany, thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And I certainly appreciate the sponsorship, as does producer Sam. If you're still listening, thanks so much again for joining us for season one. Please be sure if you listened to this and you liked it, subscribe or leave us a review. And if you have a suggestion or would like to be a guest, please contact us at podcast at tgrmanagementconsulting.com. We can't wait for season two, so stay tuned. Producer Sam and I have some big things coming. Thanks so much. Hello, my name is Tiffany Rosick, CEO of TGR Management Consulting. We help you do good work better.